This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> no, uh, a hot take! Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. I'm ready to give up. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm ready to can this fucking thing. No, 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 no. This is Satan trying to stop us, Cole. Come on, you're the you're the charismatic guy. This is this is right up your alley. This, is, this I, has to do with I, one of okay. our questions. Here's what happened. All right, yeah. we got a bunch of fucking questions. Uh, well, a bunch. We got three, but they were all really good and like thoughtful and shit. Yeah. And like I, I've been thinking about these questions for the last week, and uh, I don't know. I got in my own head about it. I took way too many notes. And I deleted them. And I took way too few notes. I don't know what the fuck to say anymore. I went to the, the. I was supposed to do Muay Thai tonight, but I haven't been, you know, having family dinner a lot. So I, I went out for family dinner with my mom and Robert. Had too much tiramisu. And I fucking had way too much tiramisu because I'm going to do a water fast all day tomorrow because I'm doing the pagan Lent thing or whatever yep, the fuck. Yep, yep. And uh, I'm sluggish and I'm not thinking properly because all the tiramisu. Right. And you, for some reason, are you in your house? I am in my you house. You are. Yeah. This is your normal setup that you use. I'm checking your, your levels and everything and your equipment reading through the studio. It should be normal. But the first time we tried to record this, we got a few minutes in, and the system crashed. Mm. So now, I, you know, we're doing this thing again. If we have to do this thing a third time, dude, I don't know if I have the strength to price. <laughs> three is a good number. Three is the, the number of the Trinity. So that's, that's great. Dude. All right. I'm just going to cue light banter and maybe calm down a little bit. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. So what, you painted your church or something? <laughs> no, I wanted to talk. Well, so in our last thing that we recorded, everyone, my white banter was talking about how I'm scared of the working classes because I had to paint my church today and decide in front of a bunch of crewmen who are painting the downstairs of my church what we have to color the basement of our church. But that doesn't matter anymore because uh, while I was doing that riveting story, everything in this thing that we used to record cut out. And so we have to do it again. And so right now I'm just pastorally caring for Cole as he breaks down in front of all of us. Dude, <laughs> this is spiritual warfare. I'm glad we had a question about spiritual warfare and like Satan acting in, in the material world and uh, fucking with us in uh, <laughs> countless ways. Because this, this is definitely happening right now. Okay, I did not want to eat a whole thing of tiramisu. Mm. But Satan made me. Mm. You know, Satan... Yeah. Um, is after this this podcast. Satan is trying to lure you to get you off course. Yeah. So <laughs> spiritual warfare is a very real thing, and I'm very really being afflicted by it right now. Mm. And I'm I'm looking in this video feed. My I've got bags under my eyes. All right. Uh, what is entertaining? We can say before we get into the the heavy pile of shit that we're going to cover on this episode poorly. Um, I've been tuning my car. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. No, that, that's... Yeah, I'm a little grease monkey now. I even got <laughs> cuts on my knuckles. Wow, maybe maybe if you shake hands with someone who actually does real work for a living, they won't be incredibly disappointed with you. 
Oh yeah, well we'll see about that. Mm. I mean, I, I am trying really hard to endear myself to the working class, and it's, right. it's almost succeeding. Yes, um, I'm doing a ride along with a truck driver <laughs> next week. What? <laughs> Did I not tell you about this? No, you didn't tell me that. Oh, dude, it's gonna suck. <laughs> uh, so I, I work for a company that I guess I will not disclose the name, right. but it's a food distribution company, and. I'm in sales, but they decided that it would be like a good team building thing for me to do a, a ride along with one of our truck drivers. But I live an hour from the truck center. You can tell I'm really well versed. Right. <laughs> and uh, the truck the center, depot, of course. <laughs> the truckery. Uh, and, and so the, then the, the, the truckman <laughs> leaves at 4 a.m. <laughs> and you have to be there at 4 a.m.? Yeah, I should be there at 4 a.m. So I have to leave the house no later than 3 because apparently, like, these guys are real sticklers for schedule. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm going to have – that means I have to wake up, like, no later than probably, like, 2.30. Mm. And I usually go to bed at, like, 11. So Wow. And that, that's going to be fucked. Yeah, and this is – And then I – yeah. This is, you know, Cole, just for everyone to know, is the type of guy who, if you're working at 3 p.m. on a Friday, he'll say something like, who works – after afternoon on a Friday, <laughs> this is the type of guy yeah. that Cole is. So this is really this is this actual labor stuff is going to be pretty difficult. You know Even what? If it's just you sitting know there trying Can to make conversation a little... with a, tr- a truckman. <laughs> Can I tell you a little secret? I love to have a good time. <laughs> is that such a sin? <laughs> yes. Is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> then, then sue me. I guess I don't know. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, so I'm going to, but then, you know, the ride along includes unloading the truck as well, Ah. uh, to a, yeah. And it's going to be many stops to a few warehouses for this, uh, regional fast food chain that I'm a part of the account management team of. Mm. And, uh, that's going to be, it's not Chick-fil-A. I know you guys are all thinking thinking Chick-fil-A. It's not Bojangles either. Okay, I'm not going to name it, but it's it's not Chick-fil-A because everyone's like, "Oh, so you're Christian, so you must work with No, I don't. Oh. Um so there there that is. Um but yeah, I've been I've been working on my car. That's been fun. It's loud as shit. My neighbors hate me now. <laughs> but uh, I like the Fiat. It's, it's it's good vibes. You know. Mm. It's quirky and and part Italian just like me. Wow. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh man. Oh this is, I can see this is, I got you got be... to smile a little bit there. You got to smile a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Just a little bit. You shut your pretty mouth, George. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the day. <laughs> oh man. But you know what? I am really excited to address these questions. I've been stressing myself out over them as I want to do. Uh. But uh before we address the questions. We do have, um, since we're going to have an extended Q&A, we, we're going to have a briefer deep dive, but we have an, a, a nice topic for the deep dive, too. You may have noticed the episode is titled, uh, They Hated Him For He Spat Mad Facts. Mm. This, is, of course, alludes to uh, Jesus Christ's treatment during his time on Earth and the negative backlash that he received uh as a result of his preaching the truth of of god um well negative backlash might be a a little bit like underplaying (laughs) they nailed the guy to a cross (laughs) so 
Negative <laughs> backlash. A really negative backlash. I've had tough I've crowd. Been on the That's what Jesus receiving was saying as of... he was uh, getting nailed, <laughs> nailed to the cross. I, I have had, I have been on the receiving end of negative backlash, sure. uh, but I was not ever nailed to wood. Mm. Mm. So, um... well, let's let's, <laughs> let's let's dive. Let's dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. George deep, deep, dive. deep dive. It's so deep. Well, here we are. Here we are. We're, we're okay. We're doing it. We're doing it. This is tech. Technically, we're doing it. Yes. So I don't want to hear any bitching about how unprofessional I am, which <laughs> I w- <laughs> has been a lot of the feedback. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> oh, as if we care about that type of feedback, because find, you yeah. know we're used to negative feedback as Christians. You know that's part of uh, what being hated for spitting mad facts is all about. You know. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get the venting out of the way first. Right. Right, mm. because well, I I don't want this to come across as like a woe is me segment. No, um, because we're more entertained than hurt by this stuff. But I have been some of it has hurt. Sure, right? Like, um, I don't know. I was told by someone really, really close to me. That I don't want to like out for doing this, but um, when I started getting deeper into faith and became more of like a devout Christian. This person pleaded with me to see a psychiatrist so that I could be deprogrammed mm. from this cult. Right. Right? And I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, I, I can't ever look at this person the same way, I guess. Like, it really fucked with me bad. And... um I think there are a few things behind that. I think in that case and in many cases, the main thrust of, you know, coming to God and then having people feel uncomfortable around you is that for us, right, living in the West, the West is very uncomfortable with the supernatural, broadly speaking. Yes. So if you're engaging with the supernatural or you you profess that you are and they see that you are, it just makes them very uncomfortable. It just sets off alarm bells. Like, okay, this is, this is an insane person that I'm, that I'm dealing with here. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure you've even run into that from like other Christians in your community, right? That like, because you're perhaps like more into like, let's say the charismatic aspects of the faith the Holy Spirit acting in the world than they are. And then they, I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. Well, I think it depends where, uh, like among the average congregant, I've never really had an issue with that. Cause everyone's like, you talk about that and everyone goes, yes, yes. I've seen things and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, all right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but certainly actually amongst, amongst the like intelligentsia of mainline Protestantism, uh, in the United yeah. States, there is like a very uh, either ambivalent, uh, paternalistic sense towards people who are into that stuff or like, you know, s- not fear. I don't want to call it fear, but like just like this is clearly wrong and, and you know, supernatural stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. So there, there is that part of it. And so like when people talk about these very, you know, uh, these moments that they have that are very spiritual it can be off-putting to a lot of people um because you know we just you, we don't really have the vocab or the culture 
that's that's used to it. And of course, you know, sure, this is a modern, more modern thing. But but yeah, so. But yeah, this is very modern and and very regional, right? Right. You, you talk to African Christians; they don't experience this. No. Right, like they might be in a community where like they're in a minor in the minority being Christians, but they don't have people who are like. I can't believe that you 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 know not only believe in the supernatural but think you're interfacing with it. It's like, no, that's pretty much like you know you can't make many you know broad stereotypes that apply to almost all parts of Africa. But one of them is that they tend to believe in in the supernatural mm. over over in that part of the world. And I would say the same for Asia as well. Yeah, right. Like uh, you don't have to like when you're and people who evangelize internationally will talk about that they're like there are major hurdles in the west of sort of trying to get people to engage with the realm of spirits Mm -hmm. right and um they'll say like well um we don't have that issue in asia did you just cut again god it happened again we're just gonna keep rolling dude i guess we're just not gonna have video or is your do we even post video start saying stuff Hello? Can you hear me? Testing? Yeah. I guess maybe... Uh, I think we're okay, and let's just do it. And if yeah. no one ever hears this conversation, it's probably for the best. <laughs> um, what were we saying? All right. And... Uh, we were saying... Uh, oh, spiritual. Yeah, so, so yeah. people being very uncomfortable with, with the supernatural, and they see that you're taking that on as a big aspect of your faith and your sort of like religious life. And then that freaks them out. Um, and so that ended with me being told that I need to seek psychiatric help immediately. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And so the, but the, the point of this isn't necessarily to make an apologetic for uh, spiritual stuff. We're going to probably do that later um, yeah. in this podcast, but, uh, but just like how people react when you start to change, like, you know, when your life starts to change, or you start to become sanctified, right? That's what actually is is like the the reason that people hate it when you spit mad facts. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I, when I was thinking of this topic when you brought it to me, I, I like was you know going through the Bible as I as I as I do, and I uh, I was thinking uh, that John fifteen, Jesus is like talking with his disciples, and he says this. He says, "If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own." But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Uh, and I, 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 it's interesting that it's yeah, like that's it's a really broad, like really strong statement about Christians and our relationship to the world is that the world hates us. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I want to say just like for any non-Christians that are listening. Like this isn't necessarily interpreted as a, a direct hatred from, you know people in general but just like the idea that the way that christians think and operate is very very uh not like rat like not rational or makes sense with the average way that humans kind of go about life which is in many of these societies you know very self-centered and stuff like that and so taking that and like going against it in really radical ways is going to cause people to get really mad at you that's just like yeah part of it um yeah totally i mean like you out of their life less so today than back in i mean can you imagine like you know when the nordic peoples were were uh 
being converted to Christianity. Yeah. And and the Teutonic tribes as well. Like they were the, the, what is now Germany. They were saying like, well, love my enemy. I should pray for my enemy and like love them. Are you kidding me? Like when I have an enemy, I slaughter them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I, I kill there. I'll kill all of them. I'll burn them down so that like no one in history is ever aware they existed. That's what I do with my enemies. Right. right? I mean, yeah. today, uh, a secular person would be appalled by that thinking. But at mm-hmm. the time, right, that was the radical aspect of Christianity to these to these Teutonic peoples and, and Nordic peoples. So, Well, I mean, even with the Greeks and the Romans, it's the same thing. Like, you know, the, we all know how the Romans handled people that, that disagreed with them. And it, and it was not great to say the least but i'm ancestrally closer to the greeks and the romans oh, gotcha. so i don't yeah. pick on them as much gotcha okay, okay. but yeah of yeah. course like they were involved in you know <laughs> countless degrees of barbarism and you know name it but uh yeah right. so at so, least from our um, christian perspective yeah <laughs> are we just gonna caveat everything like we're uh no I, like, this is like important. we're dairy duh <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah yeah no that that's that's true but i mean i think that there's a legitimate element of uh skepticism and derision towards christians especially born-again christians that comes from the fact that um people have really negative interactions with christians and christian institutions sure and then they sort of put that onto you Right. And they say, like, okay, the only interactions I've had with Christian people or Christian institutions have been incredibly negative. Mm-hmm. And now you, someone I thought I knew, is telling me that you are on their team. Right. So why would I trust you? And why would I want you in my life? Mm. Right. So, like, I, I mean, what Christ said is is obviously like 100% valid and true and saying like, okay, you're not called on to be of this world and to seek things that in this world will be valued by your peers. Your peers will not understand like, you know, why you want to be celibate, for example, right? Um, Because that's not a value that is of this world. Uh, But, you know, so, so that that's on the sort of like, let's say, um, more like Christian defensive side of saying like, okay, look, like, yeah, this is a part of the faith to be rejected by people who are focused on worldly things. But I mean, to, to sort of like take the opposite perspective here um, and be as sympathetic to the people that sort of decided that they no longer want to talk to me now that I'm a Christian right. <laughs> as I can be. It's like, yeah, a lot of these people have had horrifying experiences with Christian institutions and with Christians. And uh, they say, okay, well, if you're on their team, then fuck you. I don't need to have you in my life anymore. And there's not much I can say to that other than that. It's a big tent, Christianity. And uh, we hold within that tent, within that umbrella term of of Christianity, we hold radically different views. And beyond that, I mean, obviously calling oneself a Christian um, does not necessarily mean that one lives a Christian life. I mean, plenty of uh, horrifically evil people uh, call themselves Christians. They might even, you know, go to church every Sunday. But it doesn't mean that, like, they share any kind of an ideological kinship with you and I. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there is, I mean, and that's, that's, I guess, much more of a, uh, I will say like a Western problem than anything else because, you know, the church having the cultural dominance that it did was able to create resentment in people and stuff like that. And, and I mean, you know, that's, that's in part to be expected um, because of our broad tent and because many people aren't always the best, but here's, here's one of the things that I, uh, I, I mean, like, you know, we didn't want to make it a woe is me thing, right? And that's partly because I, I think that that's not, you know, not only is that bad podcast material, uh, but also um, it's like we can't actually be upset necessarily when it happens uh, because we're told it's going to happen, right? <laughs> Jesus tells us multiple times that you will be yeah, persecuted. Yeah. People aren't going to like you. All these things, like, let's assume that you aren't, like a, a, a zealot or someone who's like, you know, who hates people or something like that. And you actually uh, are trying to preach like, you know, good news to people and people don't like it. That's, that's bound to happen. And so you just have to kind of expect that that's, that's part of the territory. I mean, Jesus tells us, you know, we're sheep amongst wolves, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to beat us, uh, flog us, stuff like that. Right. Um, and that's why he said, uh, you know, blessed are those who are persecuted. So, you know, it's actually kind of like a, a badge of honor in some ways if you if you are persecuted. Not that, you know, that means we seek it out. It's actually kind of the opposite. But it just right. is like that means that you're you're doing something right if people don't always like you because of your faith. Yeah, and, and you have to be able to draw that line, right? Like why is it this, this person is averse to me? Because sure. um, I take it very seriously when someone uh, – has a negative reaction to me Mm -hmm. right like i want to investigate and see why it is you know and it can be any number of reasons it could be because uh you know i can very easily come across as arrogant um it could be because uh i'm just in in, to quote my college roommates a bit much (laughs) you know (laughs) it could be any one of several reasons right it could be i made made an off-color joke that someone found offensive i don't know sure Uh, that would never happen cole come on with you i don't yeah there was no way for me to know that that woman's cousin had down syndrome okay (laughs) no that didn't i don't make jokes about the differently abled uh anymore uh but honestly i i do try to think like okay what if i where have i fucked up because if if someone is like harbors resentment towards you mm-hmm. there's almost a 100 percent chance that you fucked up in some way to some degree right you know i mean sometimes uh, i mean sometimes not <laughs> there, yeah but i'm saying there's almost no chance that you you couldn't have done something better or with more sensitivity doesn't mean that you walk through your life walking on eggshells afraid to be who you are sure because that's not living really but it means that you should carry yourself with a sort of like uh sensitivity and consideration to the people that you're addressing right I, I think there's some truth to that, but I also do think just from my own personal experiences uh, that like, that's sometimes not the case. Like sometimes people just do not like, like even the presence of, of you being there because it implies, like they think it implies judgment, even if you've never done anything 
before. Yes, Th- that uh, no, yeah. Th- that's yeah. A, that's a real thing that that exists, and I I like you know I I could carry myself the way I normally do, and people will still be like, I don't want him there because he judges me, and I'll be like, all right, I've never said anything. You'll know when <laughs> I'm judging you. Believe me. Right. Um. Yeah, because you'll start overturning their tables. Like exactly. Price yes. with the money exchangers. Um. Right. Right. right so right. so yeah, like look, I, I'm not trying to like excuse people who just write you off for being a christian or i i think what you're describing right uh, first just to finish my thought sure my point is that you should be involved in the type of self-analysis that makes you better and better at identifying why people are aversely reacting to you sure that's true So, so that you can know okay this is someone who doesn't like christians or you can just be like this is just someone that doesn't like loud people and people right. who talk a lot, you know. <laughs> That's true. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went on a double date, and uh, <laughs> apparently, so this girl I'm dating, her friend was like, "Wow, you know, um, I was talking about my boyfriend, and we were both like, you, you know, you're kind of a lot sometimes, and he's definitely a lot, and so you two together." It's a lot. And what? <laughs> I was like, oh no. Like, I, I don't know. We're both very passionate. And no, outspoken, I understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it, it, we're not assholes, I don't think. Mm. Usually. No but... comment. <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, we, we, we have a very, like, high energy kind of thing. Uh, we're quite extroverted, both of us. And so, like, that can kind of, uh, like, be a little bit jolting to people. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's a big difference between that and someone just just being like, um, you know, you're like I I was telling one of my friends like one of my rather one of my friends told me like yeah I, I found out Cole's a Christian, uh, I hate it, he's wrong and I'll no longer speak to him. Damn. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's unfortunate, but um, right. Sit and spin, bitch. I've got Christ. <laughs> okay, all right. So all right. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Have all fun right, pretending right. to be a musician and oh, living in Paris, the shittiest city on earth. Oh my gosh. No, but I'm not bitter, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm not. You I'm can't not complain. And everyone, in the, everyone who's listening to this, we can all <laughs> join in a chorus together. And tell Cole that he cannot complain because Jesus told him this would happen. So he can't be he can't be upset at anyone having this and natural I'm not, I'm reaction. Not. That's the yeah. beauty of it, is that okay. I'm not upset. Yeah, all right. Okay. Because I rise above. Still mm. we rise. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton. Everybody. Yeah. Showed um, a great showed a great ability to rise above someone as you tell them they live in the dirtiest city in the world or, or whatever. It's not the dirtiest city in the world. Okay. Paris is it, pretty dirty. It's the worst fair. city in the world. Um, Marseille all the way. But, uh, yeah, that, okay, it did bother me, okay? Is that what you want from me? Like, I, <laughs> it did bother me when that happened. Sure, and it's fine. It's all right if it bothers you. Yeah. Just don't be it's surprised. It's okay if you're super butthurt, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you're sitting that. there. Smirking. Yeah, your camera's not working, so I can't see your little shit-eating grin that you do. <laughs> Your smug little little face. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, okay, yeah, it did bother me. <laughs> uh but 
I think I, I do try really hard, like in those moments, like empathize and be like, I don't know sure. what experience this person has had with cr- Christians, you know? Sure. And yeah, this is like how, like, look at the 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 suffering that Christ endured on this earth, right? Like Christ was. Uh, Christians, as Christians, we believe like the only blameless, good, truly good, pure man to ever live. Right, right. He was harmless. He was kind. He he poured love out onto everyone that he he touched in this world, and he was put to you know, an excruciatingly barbaric death for it. Right. And did not resist. Although he could have just, I don't know, turned everyone that was trying to crucify him into ducklings if he wanted to. Right. Um, He, he did not resist. Right. And he, he went to the slaughter willingly for us. Uh, It's the most unfair thing that's ever happened in history. Mm. (laughs) Right. So it's like, man, when we get bent out of shape about this kind of stuff, we have to ground ourselves in that truth as Christians. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the thing is and this is probably a good place to end the deep dive because this is like just how we should react. Right. Like Jesus tells us what we can expect for like spitting mad facts. But he also tells us, you know, in through, like you said, how he lives and in his teachings, how we should react, which is in a loving way towards people. Right. You know, if we're being truthful um, and we're attacked or ostracized, right, we have to understand that that's kind of a normal reaction to some of these teachings um, or to things that have happened in people's past. And we just kind of need to love them through that. But it doesn't it should it shouldn't discourage us is, I think, kind of the big part is 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 that this is something that's normal and it happens. Um, And just think of it a way as a way to really test loving your neighbor even more. So. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end this sort of briefer deep dive because we've got a lot of heavy questions to get through. So let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, All right. this first one comes from Eric. Uh, a different Eric. There are different Eric's. I've, we've had questions from Eric's before. They're, they're different Eric's. So here we go. This Eric says, What is your take on the Scorsese film Silence, or the novel of the same name by Endo? The obvious question here is, how do we understand suffering in this world? Or can we? Hmm. Uh, and George, this is one that I know you have a lot of thoughts on, so I'm going to just go ahead and serve this to you. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I uh, I've seen the movie Silence. I have not read the novel. It's on my to watch uh, to read list. But but I, I did like the movie quite a bit when it came out. I remember me and my uh, friends from seminary like we all made a night of it and we went out. We were probably like the only ones in the theater because movies like that surprisingly don't uh, you know blow up the box office. But I really like Silence. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. And if anyone uh, hasn't seen it, I would I would recommend you see it. It's like the one of the better Christian movies. Uh, or I should say a movie that happens to be Christian. I kind of think that that's a little bit of a, a better way of phrasing it. That's, that's come out, uh, in the, in the past, you know, few years. Um, and it's just to give people a brief synopsis. It's about missionaries in Japan, two Jesuit priests, uh, and kind of their, they go to Japan to find someone, 
um, and they see the suffering of the Japanese Christians. They themselves go through tremendous suffering, and so that's that's kind of part of the big part of the movie, right? And of course, that has is actually pretty well related to what we just talked about in the sense of you know uh, suffering uh, for the faith. And uh, when it comes to suffering more generally, uh, the Bible actually takes, I would say, a non typical answer uh, that we're used to, right? A lot of us uh, would take like a utilitarian approach where it's like, well, all of life, the best thing we could do in life is minimize suffering and maximizing pleasure. Uh, but Christianity actually kind of, I wouldn't say it teaches opposite of that, but it basically teaches that suffering is actually a normal part of existence, not something to be escaped from, um, and also something that when it happens to you to rejoice through it. So uh, in the book of James, you know, he has this line where he says, consider it pure joy uh, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So you have like this idea that suffering actually has a purpose. Um, and I think like when we hear that, uh, that can either come off as hokey, like Hallmark card tier, where it's like, you know, it's all everything for a reason even though that's true theologically but why were there only one set of footprints in the sand yeah when yeah. i was in my hardest times <laughs> said that, that was when i was carrying you right right, right. so there's like stuff stuff like that right so it can come off as kind of hokey um or or callous but i think like we have to remember that from a christian point of view right suffering actually has a purpose um it's not just something that happens uh, it's, it's, it's actually something that really uh, is meant, um, to be a benefit of some sort to, to people. Uh, and I think that that, you know, this, this puts it in, in huge contrast with like religions like Buddhism, for example, where it's like all about escaping suffering. Uh, and, uh, but Christianity basically is like, no, we live in a sinful world. Suffering is a part of it. And that, I think that's obvious, right? All of us look out into the world and we see people who are suffering, um, you know, from diseases, uh, mm. horrific. Um, yeah. What about like suffering. childhood cancer? Just, just to throw one at you. That's like very often brought up by the secular, like, okay, like how do you justify an eight year old with bone cancer? That's terminal, sure. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I mean, that's, that's the typical one, right? Is, is a child who is suffering or something like that. And, I, I think kind of there's many different ways that, that that question is just the posing of that question is interesting to me, kind of the theological things that are already baked into that that people might not know. But just to, to answer it on space, the the good news of Christianity is that child suffering has meaning, even if we don't know what it is, because guess what? In a godless world, there is no there is no reason for that child to suffer. It's just something that happens. Uh, and not even something necessarily to be uh, to be thought of as bad or wrong, right? It's just part of part of the world, part of the universe. Um, and so I think that one of the hopes that Christianity Christianity offers is there's actually justice or retribution uh, and hope for situations like that. Um, and I think like people who you can see this in are quite mature in, in the faith or and have dealt with all sorts of difficult issues end up seeing, these things have some sort of fruit in their lives, even if it's very difficult for them to to notice it in the moment. Um, but like, mm. I, I think it's I think as difficult as that pill might be to swallow, uh, it's either that or it's the vast eternity of nothingness, 
And the vast eternity of nothingness leaves me with the answer that it is better to end your life or end everyone's life rather than kind of suffer through this charade uh, quite literally that really has right. no purpose or meaning. I mean, you see like anti-natalism growing as a movement and that is their contention. Sure. But, yeah. uh, you know, personally, like I, I don't want to, I'm very comfortable talking about personal stuff, but I'm, I'm very uncomfortable implicating people close to me in it. Right. So, so, but I, what I will say is like, you know, I did not have a happy childhood. And when I look back at it, it it does seem surreal and I have to sort of remind myself of what I was going through, but I, there was like a a five year period where I remember I cried myself to sleep almost every night. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for me to even accept that as possible. Mm-hmm. To just be that sad for that long and th- sure. that hopeless. And that was where I really lapsed from sure. faith. Sure. And um, looking back on that now, I can see the positive impact. I can see the positive and the negative impact that have with me. And I had to work through the negative impact with God uh, and a lot of therapy, but, but you know, uh, a lot of therapy and then more recently, God, I wish I'd sort of gone the God route earlier, obviously, but, um, now that I can contextualize what that, what that was and how it made me who I am, I'm really uncomfortable with it because I, I would, I, there's no one I'd rather be right. As flawed as I am and as, you know, confused Mm. and adrift as I am at this point in my life. There's no one I could point to in the world and say, I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. But I I also wouldn't wish on anyone a lot of the things that I've been through. Sure. Uh, So that kind of leaves me in a weird place. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, when you think about God's perspective, right? And um, this isn't, I'm not trying to justify a way, you know, horrifying things that happen to people. But I mean, I, I only have the benefit of like 15 years of perspective on this. Right. Right. For God, thousands of years pass in a second. So even if in, in after a very short period of time, I can sort of look back and say like, that was hellish. But. I can see how it made me who I am and I like who I am for the most part. Um, God is moving in a different way and has a different perspective and is working with a very, you know, with a plagued by sin world. Mm -hmm. And that's on us. Right. Yeah. So we have to remember that, that like, okay, we're the ones who kind of broke the engine and God's trying to patch it up, which is an imperfect metaphor. But I mean, we we often lay at the feet of God, um, the fruits of sin. Right. Yes. And of the sinful fallen nature of our world, we put that on God. Right. Uh, But we can either have, we can either have free will or, you know, you know, we can live in a perfect sinless existence, but I mean, then we wouldn't be human. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that the that I mean that's kind of the thing is that it suffering is a mark of sin and a mark of our world because the sin you know our world is marked by sin. So we to we can't really escape it. So Christianity's answer, which is usually is basically unique in this way, is that you can escape it. Uh, you can't do you know at least you know this side of glory or whatever. And so you actually have to live in it and find uh, joy and purpose in it when it when it happens. And in doing so, you become like Christ, right? Because Christ suffered, and that's a good thing that that he, he the suffering that he went through, this horrendous, horrific suffering of the cross, had meaning and had purpose, right? That's that's like why you know Paul calls it foolishness, right? People think it's foolishness that this. This, this disgusting or barbaric act actually had some sort of positive outcome. Um, and that's, that's like one of the big, the big things with Christianity. So it's a really good question. I mean, obviously suffering mm-hmm. is such a big topic and you can take it in so many different ways. And I'm sure people have already, you know, had a problem with the ways that we've answered it and stuff like that. But in a very brief, you know, moment of time, that's basically, I think the, the, the what Christians think about suffering and and its role in, yeah. in life and its role in the world. And this isn't, I don't want to fall into the very like historically Christian trap of, and I mean, Mother Teresa is very guilty of this, right? Of glorifying suffering and saying, yeah. oh, look how great it is that people right. suffer. Right. Um, that's gross. So if, if you're being abused by someone, this isn't like a, and a rationale to sit there and say like, oh, well, I'm being abused by this person, but actually it's a blessing because, you know, blessed are those who are oppressed. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You leverage whatever resources you can to free yourself from that person. Right. And to seek justice for the, the wrongs that they've committed. Right. Um, so I want to make it clear that like, uh, Suffering is 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 a part of the nature of this fallen world, but like that does not excuse the perpetrators who no cause not at all. individuals and and large groups of people to suffer. Right? They they should be, uh, they should be held accountable. Sure. And yes. No. Absolutely. They should be made to stop. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think that like that's really important. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And so let's uh, let's move on to the next question that we have, which is all about people being held accountable. Oh, this is a long, long day. All right. <laughs> um, here we go. So uh, a listener named Miles reached out, and um, he started his message by saying that, like, you know, I know you guys are like a Christian show, but, like, I'm a non-Christian. I've been enjoying it as if, like, he had got one over on us. <laughs> like, like, I don't who think he's that. Who let this fucking secular fucking here? <laughs> Get him out! Get him out! Uh, <laughs> take his jacket. Take his jacket. Yeah, and pull off his pants and take his sneakers so he has to walk home bare-butted, barefooted. Uh, <laughs> no, we didn't do that at boarding school. It's a freshman. Um, but, <laughs> but no, so... It's funny because we we really when we set out to make this show, our first thing was like, okay, we really wanted like secular people to like it. That was a really important thing, and um, so I was like really chuffed when I heard like, oh, like 
this this guy is like a mm. a non Christian and he he finds it entertaining. So he was saying that he was introduced to the show by his two roommates who are apparently like super devout Christians and are like yeah. big fans of the program. And <laughs> I was like, oh man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine living with two highly devout Christians who are at the same time like cool kids Bible study super fans? <laughs> and you're this like secular guy who's like, I don't know, I haven't really seen I just want to play Elder Ring. Harris makes some good points. And these guys are like, ah, ah, cool kids Bible study. Ah, uh. We're going to go to church, right? Yeah, know? yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what our super fans are like. Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, anyone who's like a big fan of this show, like a big, a big fan of this show, it's got to be a couple. A little, a little, I know what, yeah, I know what we're up. like. Like the fruit yeah. doesn't fall too far from the tree. Mm. So if this is the tree, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so anyway, all right, let, let, without further ado. Um, here we go. So he goes on to say, uh, and I'm like, uh, I've shortened shortened this and done some light paraphrasing, but yeah. okay. In your episode on hell, I feel you missed something highly important. Uh, the real problem that I and many non-Christians have with the idea of hell is that if it exists, the being responsible for it must be a monstrous evil beyond human comprehension. Mm. How can one justify this? Gotcha. And this is an awesome question. Right. Uh, and I, I almost can't believe that we failed to address it, but then I, I realized that, um, well, A, I'm not very organized, and B, it's a one-hour program. <laughs> that was a big topic. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, so I will let us off the hook. Um, but, uh, oh, and he also said we were a little too harsh on Matt Walsh, which I was like... Mm, maybe he's a Matt what? Walsh super fan. <laughs> Who knows? There's, there's no chance uh, <laughs> a non-Christian is a Matt Walsh super fan. Um <laughs> But I, I thought that was really cool, actually, that someone who's uh, secular was like, you guys were too harsh on Matt Walsh. I'm like, oh, man, this is, shows this guy's a big heart. That's cool. Um, so, so okay, there's so many places to start on this. I think the, the thing that just blares out at me is, you know, the idea of the being responsible for hell being God. Right. And the answer is like, mostly sort of yes but mostly no right uh so george uh, let's start there and then we'll we'll work through the rest of it what do you think well uh so when it comes to like a question like this right uh i i always do the uh you know the kind of by what standard type thing so I, I like to break out of the, the this thing and actually try and attack it from like a completely non-Christian level. Because I actually think it's a Christian assumption to make that someone who would spend an eternity separated from God is a bad like a bad thing or like this is something that is objectively wrong. Where I actually no, think that, that this that's is, not that's a framing issue, right? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is so, that like I yeah. don't think that like I think it's a it's interesting. So within the Christian sphere, I would kind of understand having this sort of argument, but from outside of it, I guess it would just be like, you know, well, you know, all sorts of different religions have different views of, of different things, and uh, but I, I guess well, it shows that he's taking Christianity seriously, sure, yeah, and saying like, okay, but how do you reason through this apparent uh, incongruity, right? So that's well, it's a compliment yeah, I get to the. To the sure. Faith, really. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I think like uh, the incongruity isn't really 
it's, it isn't really there, uh, or it, it comes from a misunderstanding of what sin is and what are sin's consequences. So when you sin, you sin against God, and God is an infinite being, right? So a sin against an infinite being is an infinite sin, and therefore, from a theological level, it is deserving of punishment, right? And that is that is meted out at an infinite, infinite uh, amount of time. Okay, Just like I reward is handed that? out. That. Can I rephrase yeah. that quickly? I don't know why. Yes. So— Another, uh, a common transition of sin is to miss the mark. Sure. Right? So, so I mean, there's an argument that actually the term derives from an archery term of missing the entire target. Right. And so if you're aiming for godliness, and godliness is infinite good and infinite love, such that a love that we as humans can't even understand the depth of, right. and you miss that target... What else can you hit but the ultimate evil? Mm-hmm. Right. So th- right. that's, I mean, I just wanted to jump that because this is a very like dense topic. Right. And yeah. your like dual masters Princeton brain just kind of like runs through it sometimes. Yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> but okay. To do that. So yeah. Sorry. C- keep going. So uh, yeah. So, um, although Miles seems like a bright guy, I'm sure he can, he can easily. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, uh, so. So yeah, so it has to be punished, right? And if it's an infinite punishment, um, and I think like what that's the thing that is actually upsetting to most people, right? I don't think people being punished for badness is actually, you know, yeah, uh, that difficult. Uh, people find it difficult when it's like their family member who wasn't a believer or something, and they're like, "You telling me mm-hmm. my beloved granny who used to make me snacks is in hell or whatever like that?" Um, they might find that wrong, but if like you said, Hitler. Almost no one would be like, well, you know, he doesn't deserve to be punished or something like that, right? A lot of people right, right. would understand that bad actions deserve I actually punishment. brought this up to you in high school with Hitler. Do you remember this? No, I don't remember this at all. Uh, and that, I, I, was, I was a dummy I back up, then, like, so I can only even, imagine how I answered. <laughs> you didn't really give me a great answer, but I was like, I was like, George, but if, if like, infinite suffering— mm-hmm. Even Hitler, it seems, there would be some amount of time, right? Like, if I told you, like— if it's truly infinite suffering, George, like, well, if I told you we're going to sentence Hitler to a thousand years of, of terrible torture and, and suffering, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that wouldn't be enough. So but a million years wouldn't be enough. Mm-hmm. So 900 million years wouldn't be enough, you're telling me? So like a hundred million years of horrible suffering, it's got to be infinite. So this, even at that level, you know, I was very nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Um so, so yeah, like the idea of like the punitive element of it never really still hasn't really clicked with me, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, like C.S. Lewis takes on both versions of hell where he's like, okay, well, there's the idea of like, you know, hell is a place that God casts people who are sinful and unrepentant in their sin. Mm-hmm. But there's the other idea that, that hell is simply put the absence of God. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if you sin, you miss the, that mark of, of infinite, uh, aiming towards infinite good and infinite love, and therefore you hit uh, the, the exact inverse of those two things, um, this is where you end up, right? You point your boat towards that place and you, you arrive there. Land ho, hell. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's kind of that idea of hell. Like I feel very comfortable expressing the rationale behind. I feel very comfortable understanding. 
but the punitive element of hell, like I still really struggle to get. So maybe you can sort of help me. Yeah, well, I, I, I think like this is because we like to talk about God's attributes and obviously something you've harped on quite a bit and what defines God for a lot of people in the West. This is a Western thing. If you go to Christians in other parts of the world, they're, they, they have a lot of problems with the fact that God would forgive people. Um, so like in Africa <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. So the other yeah. part of God's, God's personality that we usually downplay in the West is his justice, right? And so when it comes to God meeting out justice on people, he is the one that sets the parameters for what is good and wrong. Uh, and we know from everything that the Bible teaches us, again, in order to accept everything we're saying one way or another, it has to, you have to at least believe the Bible is somewhat inspired, um, is that, uh, is that, you know, it weigh, the wages of sin are death, right? That, that's, that is what uh, breaking it is, right? We, we saw that in the garden of Eden very clearly, um, you, you know, whether metaphor, real thing, whatever, I'm not diving into that, right? That's, that's what the story is about, right? That's the punishment. And so when someone is sin is sinful, it's not, it's not like punitive torture forever, right? It is, it is giving them or putting them exactly where they need, uh, it, where they need to be, because that is, that is where they have earned their place. And as I pointed out, that's where all of us have earned our place. <laughs> this is not like, again, this is not like something that is like, you know, it's only for those people. It's like very much within Christian theology. Everyone deserves to go to hell, uh, because right. that is where we all belong. Uh, but, but luckily we are, some of us are picked up out of that. Um, if you want to use the Calvinist framework or some of us believe and then are saved, whatever you, you want to, you want to, uh, chalk it up to. Uh, right. but that, but that's the thing is that that's, that's a part of it is that all of us kind of deserve this judgment, but, but we, we don't get it. And it, it even if it might seem like, uh, a difficult thing to, to imagine this kind of eternal th type of thing. I mean, is it equally, equally okay to say that people deserve eternal bliss, Right. Because all of us have done things that are wrong. Why Why should I deserve eternal heaven? The, the fact mm -hmm. is I don't, right? right? None of us do. And so uh, it because we are naturally sinful creatures and do wrong things, uh, it's, 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 on God's, it's on God's person in Jesus Christ who, who is the only one who can fulfill that sacrifice because he is eternal uh, to actually take that, take that sin on for other people. So there's a lot of theology wrapped up in that with eternalism and you know all yeah. this being a part of it but there's this idea i guess that i really i struggle with when people bring that up because it assumes one that all of us deserve eternal happiness which i don't think is is necessarily the case if especially if god is right. just uh and uh and you know that we somehow don't deserve uh damnation and the thing is i think the bible just cuts through it and says we all deserve damnation but some of us are lucky enough to uh are, are well blessed in real sense, to not have that happen. Yeah, and, and all right, I'm gonna do something that, that might be really irresponsible. All right, like I'll tell cosmically. You yes, stop me if. Okay, so if, if you're a non-believer and this makes you uncomfortable, this idea of like hell unsettles you, right? Um, you know, we have this impression in, in the secular world that like god is always just condemning people and telling them what pieces of shit they are and uh that's that's not the case or, or that or, or the idea that like god can't sympathize with you but like the whole 
a, a huge part of Christ's mission on this earth was to be able to sympathize with you and understand exactly what you're going through. You know, that's why he had to take human form. God had to take human form. Um, and we have examples in the Bible of non-belief, right? Uh, you know, uh, Thomas the Apostle, right? He, he is known sort of, people call him like Doubting Thomas. I think that's a little harsh. I like Skeptical Thomas, mm-hmm. I think, because skepticism is very healthy, very good thing. And he exemplifies that. There's no reason to sort of like uh, castigate him for it. But we can see in real time God's reaction to those who do not believe in him. Sure. You think about, okay, Thomas, right? Compared to you, and again, God can sympathize perfectly with all of us, right? So God knows what it's like to be tempted by sin. God knows what kind of uh, faculties of resistance to different types of sinful behavior you have. And God is on your team. God is team you, right? right? So uh, Thomas witnessed Christ perform crazy miracles do incredible things that could not be explained other than him being like the literal son of God. Uh, And when it came time for Christ to be crucified, guess who did not show up? Right, George? Everyone. Basically. No, right. Yeah, (laughs) basically no one showed up. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And why didn't they show up, George? Because they were scared. And they didn't actually believe who he was he says he was. Yeah, because they didn't have faith in him. Even after they literally met Jesus Christ, saw him perform all of these miracles, um, because he was allowing himself to be crucified, they thought, ah, he's not the real deal. Right. Right? So then he's resurrected, and he runs into these people again. Can you imagine what you would say to these people? Right. After being through what you'd been through, like unimaginable mm. suffering. Right. Right. And then you and they didn't they weren't they didn't have your back. They weren't even there at your funeral. And. Which was public and horrifying. Right. They weren't there for you. And then you come back what you would say to them. Right. And even then, when he's standing in front of them, Thomas is like. Uh, could be a guy that looks like Jesus, you know, right, he's right, still right. like, ah, I'm not really sold. Can you imagine like how livid you would be? Right. right. Thomas. Okay. is like, eh, you know, good. Did he have a twin? Do we know if he had a twin? You know, I mean, I would lose, I mean, I would have lost it a long time ago, but right. I would have probably lost it when they were nailing me to the cross personally. <laughs> that would have gotten me pretty upset. <laughs> But Jesus, he extends his his arms to Thomas and says, Thomas, like, it's it's me, man. I love you. Look, these are my – you can feel my scars. It's me. Right. That has, has died and, and was died for you and is resurrected for you. And, and, and I'm here, man. Like, embrace me. Like, I'm here. You don't have to – that is not a God that hates nonbelievers. Mm-hmm. That is God that loves non-believers and who wants to embrace them and sh- mm. and show them and say, "Hey, you're skeptical. Great. He doesn't once condemn or rebuke Thomas for being skeptical. He doesn't say, "How dare you question me? I'm the risen Lord." Blah, blah, blah. None of that. He says, "Here, look and see." Right. 
Yeah. So so if you are are uh, curious about this stuff, right? Then, like God's willing to show you the proof, mm-hmm. and that's what that story shows, right? It sure. did the same thing to me, and I'm I'm just some some fucking schmuck. So he'll do it for you, right? There's nothing special. Like I didn't go on some like vision quest. I mean, um, he's willing to show you the proof. So if you're a skeptical person, you're this type of thinker, like. Don't think that God's angry with you. God can sympathize perfectly, better than your best friend, better than your closest family member can sympathize with where you're at right now listening to this. Mm -hmm. And if you sincerely want to see the evidence and you say that prayer of non-belief, God, I don't believe in you, but I'd love to really, and I'm going to invite you into my life and you do what you need to do uh, to... To, sh- to reveal yourself to me if you're the real deal i don't want to live in you know untruth any longer if that's the case um you take that step yeah 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 and i will say that that hell is like definitely something that comes with for at least in my experience and in many other things like as you grow in maturity of, in the faith you come to understand it a little bit more but like uh but yeah it's a good question um unfortunately we're going way over time, so we need to move on. Yeah, we do. There's so much more we could do on that. We will revisit this topic. Please keep keep the questions coming. Anything that you felt like we didn't cover, we covered poorly. Um, we're always looking to, to do better, and we will do better. Mm-hmm. Okay, Miles continues. Um, okay, here we go. This is also a really good one that I love to cover. In our discussion group, the idea of spiritual warfare has come up. The idea that there might be battles between good and evil, note capitals on those, taking place on a granular scale, like the demonic possession of a person, as an example. And this struck me as way outside the usual lines of Christian thought that I'm most often exposed to. In your experience, how common in this I- is this idea? And in your opinion, how robust is it? Okay. Mm. Good uh, demons and possession and um, Satan and his minions sort of like acting in the world. Uh, I'd say most Christians believe that this takes place, right, George, including us. Yeah, I would say, I would say it is, but I would say just to Miles's point, I think like it's bigger in certain, uh, groups or sects and, and like yeah. the way that someone who's a Presbyterian might understand it is very different from a way that someone who is like very charismatic might, might understand yeah. it. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I like people will be like, you know, all around us, there are angels and demons fighting all the time and stuff like that. And we, there are people who have different interpretations of that, but in the sense of like getting at this idea that there is evil in the world and, uh, God is, is, is working against that. And Christians are a part of that. Like that is, that is a very Christian idea, uh, just generally. Um, I don't know how your friends articulated it, so I can't say whether, (laughs) Whether you know the how they're how they think about it is normal or whatever, but we certainly it certainly is very common. Um, and I know Cole probably has lots of deep thoughts about this. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of really intense uh, experiences with the supernatural, and I, I keep seeking more of them because I learn more. But it, I mean, the more intense they are, the more it, it messes up my head for a while. And so I. Th- and I did actually the last time it happened, I did say a prayer that I, I kind of regret, but sh- shouldn't where I was like, 
give me less of this for a while <laughs> because I need to function in this world as well. Mm. And when you have like a vivid like vision of hell in like at 2 p.m. on a Thursday and then you have to like get through the rest of the week, <laughs> it's not really great. <laughs> You know, it just because it just shakes you, and, it, and I mean, I, and I've, I also, I've, I've not had like a firsthand encounter with the demonic, but I, I have spoken with a lot of people that I trust more than anyone in the world about this, and that have said like, yeah, I've exercised a demon from someone, or you know, I heard a really incredible account from someone very close to me recently about a priest. He's an Armenian priest who uh, was had this this uh person came into his, uh, his church and was just knocking things over and wreaking havoc and screaming and looked like totally tortured like we would think like a schizophrenic having an episode or something but they were doing all this in his church and he was like whoa he's just trying to like calm this person down and he didn't want to freak uh the person out so he started praying in Armenian because you know that they couldn't understand Armenian. Right? Mm. So as he started to pray in Armenian, the person starts to like manifest like demonic possession more and more, like wailing, like it gets more and more intense. They're having trouble like controlling themselves more and more. And uh when he was finally finished with the exorcism, they looked at him and said, like where is this and who who are you and what's going on and had like right. no memory of the event right and, and i mean i know this is a really really like tough pill to swallow for people especially like you know, this is tough for a lot of christians to be like really this is real um i would recommend if you're interested in this topic right so there's a pretty well-known movie called the right r-i-t-e and it's a horror movie that takes some liberties, but it was based on uh, the actual experiences of a Catholic priest named Father Gary Thomas, who uh, was sent to uh, the Vatican to learn how to perform exorcism. And uh, the journalist uh, that actually accompanied him and, and, and sort of like wrote about this experience that was then turned into a movie, a guy called uh, Matt uh, Baggio, B-A-G-G-I-O. And he kind of was, uh, you know, he's an Italian guy who's like kind of a nominal Catholic growing up, didn't really believe in it, but, you know, did the holidays uh, and was basically like converted to a, a strong believer from following around these people performing exorcisms because he was like, you just see unexplainable event after unexplainable event. And it, it, it's just shocking, right? So so I think um, it's great that these events like aren't common. Although actually, really worryingly, do, do you know like the Catholic Church uh, reports that they've been going up? I didn't hear that, no. Yeah, so, so like ta Catholic Church now has said that every um how do they do their like regionalization what's the term again george uh bishopship di or diocese diocese is yeah, that like that's... their sub-region though is that because for armenians a diocese is like big region but there aren't a lot of us right but it right. must be diocese so every diocese has to now appoint like 
specialized exorcists Interesting. that cover that diocese and travel to perform exorcism. Hmm. And that's a new thing for the Catholic Church because they're saying this is happening all the time. Right. Um, so take that. I mean, you can look into Matt Baggio's work, uh, Gary, uh, Father Gary Thomas's story, and find many like it if you're interested in in sort of like delving into this world. I it's very unsettling world. Yeah. Um, even most Christians don't think about this stuff, and that's probably for the best. Um, I will say, just as someone who was like very skeptical of this type of stuff and grew up Christian, right? I I always was like, well, I think it's just people manifesting their you know psycho problems psychosocial problems or it's like right. and then it's a psychosomatic cure yes. for it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i and you know i i used to believe that but as i've like come to understand more about the world and like had my own supernatural experiences which aren't i would say very you know elaborate or anything like that it's it's revealed to me that yeah these these things do happen these things are going on um but like uh, my whole thing to Christians is that do not get wrapped up too much with that stuff all the time because we're called to live in the world. And so, mm-hmm. like, part of living in the world is fighting against that stuff, but a lot of people end up turning it into some sort of, I don't know, weird, like, D&D game, real-life D&D game sometimes. It's very strange. I think that's what Satan wants because you you lose track of what's important, which is right. to Evangelize. love— but shit well no it's it's to love those around you as best as you can and to grow in faith and try to you know this is sort of can be a distraction and it's great that there are people out there that um you know perform exorcism i think it's awesome but uh it's funny because miles came at us with this question thinking that we would be like oh yeah weirdo christians believe that he was very surprised when i was like yeah that's a thing you know, we exchanged a couple emails. Oh, and he was like, oh, gotcha, really? gotcha. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. He was like, really? That's that's a thing. Um, and so yeah, I, I I don't I don't like talking about it with with non Christians especially, right? Because I just don't want to freak people out. Yeah. And in the West, right? Again, like you talk to um, uh, so someone who's from a, a West African uh spiritual tradition other than Christianity. Right. And you talk about like demonic possession, they're like, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. Because they're much more like <laughs> used to this stuff and familiar with it. Right. So yeah. you talk it reminds like- me, um, it reminds me of this one joke from Rick and Morty where they're like, they have to find a vampire in the school or whatever. And it's like, and Morty's like, who even knew vampires existed, Rick? And Rick's like, uh, everyone Morty until like 200 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these cultures have stories about it <laughs> yeah i don't know we're just gonna keep living until we die possibly by vampire uh, <laughs> so yeah i mean this isn't something where like people should live in fear of being possessed or whatever i mean don't like invite it into your life like don't play with this stuff right you know don't mess around with the occult um because yeah, this this you could be like awakening something. You're inviting a, a presence into your life that's malevolent, uh, but don't live in fear of this. Because like, there's never been a failed exorcism, hmm. right? And, and they're not as dramatic as they make it sound in and look in these movies. You know, it, it's like 
Jesus Christ is so much infinitely more powerful right. that once you, you know, invite his power to deliver someone from a demonic possession, then it happens. Yeah, I think I think that's actually the perfect way to end it because uh, that's the <laughs> no that that's the best point is that like and oftentimes in popular culture it's seen as though these are two equal and competing forces, right? But the thing no, is, right, is they're, they're right. not actually equal <laughs> at no, all. No, God is not. infinitely more powerful than any sort of demonic uh, or you know bad spiritual force. And the so, only reason that those forces continue to exist is they feed off of our sin. Right. Right. Right, yeah. and they feed off of the fallen nature of, of Earth. Yeah. Um. So, but <laughs> wow, we we did it, dude. I <laughs> so, feel so bad for anyone who's gonna have to edit this slash okay. listen to this. You know this what? Is so long. No, I don't, because you know what? One of our biggest uh, critiques is, oh, you guys don't go deep enough. I get it's supposed to be funny. But you guys, like, you avoid going really deep. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, this one's going to be, like, an hour 15, and it's it's all deep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I talk Amazing. about my history with trauma and abuse. So, like, what more do you people want? Like, yeah. are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, hopefully not too much more of that on the horizon. Like... We're gonna do something light after this, man. Yeah, we have to do something stupid next week. Just absolutely yeah. idiotic. Yeah. Just okay. Yeah. Check. Like, if you enjoyed this, God help you. Um, leave us a review. Share this with your friends. We're not doing any promotion right now. Um, I just don't feel like we're good enough at this show to do yeah. to promote it. But we will eventually. But for now, like feedback, super appreciated. Questions, super appreciated. And the most appreciated is if you could bother your friends to give this show a listen. Um, and we will see on that note, we'll see you next week where I will be, uh, making more lewd jokes and hopefully we'll be talking about nothing at all. Yes. George. Bye everyone. See ya. <laughs>